Welcome into the fade. I am Clay Travis. He is Todd Furman. Right off the top, tomorrow morning, if you're watching or listening to this in the great state of Louisiana, you can officially wager on sports. Uh, you can do it in both Louisiana now and New York, the two most recent locations. Up to $1,000 no-risk wager on your very first wager for new users. All you have to do to sign up is go to fanduel.com clay. That is fanduel.com slash clay. Get hooked up today and make sure that you do it. Uh, All right. Uh, Furman, NFC, AFC championship games. We've also got a World Cup qualifying game tonight against El Salvador. I'll actually talk a little bit about that with you. Uh, But let's dive in here right off the top. Uh, anything jumping out to you of a unique nature from a gambling perspective about the AFC or the NFC Championship games right now as we are speaking on Thursday afternoon, the absolute latest data, and I am looking at it right now, uh, is that you can get the Bengals as a seven-point underdog. That is stuck right there against the Chiefs over under right around 54.5. And the Rams, I mean, it's amazing how these numbers have just stuck, Furman, right at a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Not a lot of mobility here. What is standing out to you? Let's start with the Chiefs going up against the Bengals. Well, I think when you talk about numbers, I mean, this time of year, odds makers trust their process, and you're not going to see a ton of line movement on either side or total. What is interesting, though, about the Chiefs and Bengals game, you did see a few shops out here in the desert actually open that number as low as 50-and-a-half, 51. Of course, the market quickly corrected itself, and as you highlighted, FanDuel inching closer to the key number of 55, given the scoring flurry we saw from Kansas City last weekend in their narrow victory against the Buffalo Bills. Of course, these two teams did battle a few weeks ago, a 34-31 triumph for Cincinnati, a game they won outright as a a three-and-a-half-point underdog. I think when you look at this Bengals team, and not to throw salt in a still very fresh wound for you, you do wonder if this Bengals defense has been tested yet this postseason like the kind of caliber offense they're going to face at Arrowhead on Sunday. I know Maybe Joe tested Burrow. if we had a decent quarterback <laughs> in Nashville. Well, you know what? That's one thing that we didn't discuss. Apparently, Zach Taylor and Callahan uh, had a step up on Ryan Tannehill from the time they all spent together down in Miami. So they were in his head right from the opening kickoff. And uh, as we know, it didn't quite work out so well for the boys in Nashville. But when you look at Joe Burrow, I mean, what he's been able to do for the much maligned franchise is nothing short of incredible. I mean, this is a team that won six games over its last two years combined. Uh, And you look at where they are now, one game away from going to play for the biggest trophy in the National Football League. But I think their defense is going to be tested, unlike we've seen so far. I mean, Tennessee had countless opportunities, even for as poorly as they played offensively, to kind of put the Bengals away. You look at the Raiders the week before. Derek Carr was unable to get this team going, but both were able to run the ball extremely effectively for large stretches. So, When I look at Kansas City, I think they're going to be able to move it up and down the field. Patrick Mahomes showed us last week without the luxury of a deep ball in the arsenal that they could be methodical against Buffalo. You saw everybody get involved. I mean, Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill, you know, banner days from the two of those guys, but they weren't the only ones. It was Clyde Edwards-Alaire. It was Jarek McKinnon. It was Mahomes utilizing his legs. Mecole Hardman. I mean, you name it, the list goes on and on. And when I look at Cincinnati – Despite Joe Burrow saying that he's played in environments that'll be just as loud as Arrowhead, that won't be lost on the Chiefs fans. They're going to ratchet things up even further. And while it may not be going into Kyle Field as a member of LSU or some of the other bigger venues 
uh, that you're going to see throughout the SEC. This is going to be a different animal with a lot more on the line. I just don't think the Bengals have the firepower to stay in this one from start to finish. I worry about their ability to hold up defensively, and I think the Chiefs can go comfortably over their team total that's posted at 31 at FanDuel. That would probably be the best way for me to bet this game either side or total. I'm on the Chiefs too. I will defend uh, Joe Burrow. I like the Chiefs minus the seven. Um, And I will defend Joe Burrow, however. I've been to, you know this, Furman, every major SEC football venue. I've been to every SEC football venue. And I've been to a lot of big college football stadiums in general. There's no way that Arrowhead is anywhere near as loud as uh, Death Valley in uh, LSU is, as Alabama on the road when you're LSU playing a monster game, as Tennessee is, as Georgia is. I mean, these are big, loud, massive stadiums filled significantly with tens of thousands of drunk college kids, which is a different caliber of noise than tens of thousands of drunk old people. Uh, Just be (laughs) frank. Um, And so... The college football stadiums are louder and wilder and more ruckus in general. Now, um, is there any impact in your mind, Furman? We saw these two teams play in the next to last weekend. I guess it would now be, what, week 17 of the NFL season. There are 18 regular season weeks now as opposed to 17. So the next to last week, the Bengals came back from a double-digit deficit, kicked a field goal to win on the final play of the game. Any lasting impact from that game? And are you nervous and or concerned at all about the Chiefs secondary given the fact that Jamar Chase ate them alive last time and they're a little bit wobbly in terms of injuries? We saw what Gabriel Davis was able to do. Four touchdowns over 200 yards receiving just picking them apart uh, last weekend as well at Arrowhead. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, Kansas City losing that game the way they did to Cincinnati, and to your point, squandering a 28-10 to 10 lead at one point, will have the Chiefs' undivided attention. Whereas if they hadn't played the Bengals earlier and been saddled with a loss, you could make the case that Kansas City trying to replicate the level of emotion we saw last week against the Buffalo Bills would be hard to do. So I do think Kansas City, specifically on the defensive side, has to come up with a more unique game plan and neutralize Jamar Chase. Now, for the Chiefs, I do expect Tyron Matthew to be out there. Uh, All signs point to him clearing concussion protocol and being available, which will be a key cog to your point because Gabriel Davis was able to operate over the top and Kansas City had no answers with Daniel Sorensen logging his highest snap counts since I think week four, week five. The Chiefs will also get Rashad Fenton back in the fold. He missed the first two games of the playoffs dealing with a back injury. So this will be a Chiefs team that will be as healthy defensively as they've been And what I think you're going to see from Kansas City is an approach where they want to be aggressive to get after Joe Burrow, force him to hang on to the ball longer than he would like. Maybe look to do some bracketing of Jamar Chase because T. Higgins was really a non-factor in that game. And so if you're going to try and go up against a Bengals team that's brimming with confidence, the the us-against-the-world mentality, don't allow them to beat you with their elite weapon, which has been Jamar Chase. To the Titans' credit, they found a way to bottle him up for extended stretches. I know he had the big bubble screen that went for you know 50 or 60 yards. But aside from that, it was more T. Higgins doing damage in the middle of the field. And I think Kansas City has more depth in their defensive backfield than what the Titans do other than an elite cover corner and Christian Fulton. The difference being is the Titans were able to get pressure on Joe Burrow right from the opening kickoff to the tune of nine sacks. So I think Kansas City will find some unique wrinkles here, uh, whether it's forcing Joe Burrow to beat them with a short controlled passing game, but you can't give up the home runs over the top. I just think this will be Kansas City playing with a little bit more at stake, obviously, now, and they were week 17. 
And knowing that they hung 28 points in the first half against the Bengals, you're not going to see them taking their foot off the accelerator. The one other thing that we saw in that first meeting, the Kansas City Chiefs, I believe, had a total of four penalties that extended Bengals drives, a couple of ticky-tack pass interference calls in the second half, uh, that end-of-game sequence that was beyond bizarre that gave the Bengals multiple chances to kick the field goal, to bleed that clock down. Uh, this is an officiating crew that we're going to see that doesn't call a ton of penalties. I think they're going to let the guys play. And in my opinion, that really plays into the strength of Kansas City, both on the offensive and defensive side of the ball. Uh, all right, let's go into uh, this uh, NFC Championship game, which is in, uh, in uh, L.A., although the 49ers filled the stadium up last, last time and might well do it again. Uh, the Rams are a three-and-a-half-point favorite against the 49ers. This is the third the third matchup of these two teams as they obviously both come out of the NFC West. 49ers staged what basically was a miracle comeback, it felt like in many ways, to even get themselves into the playoff uh, in the first place against the Rams in the final week of the season. What happens here? Right off the top, Furman, I like the Rams to win this game and advance to the Super Bowl. Yeah, I'm going to go the other way, and I'm going to take the points with the 49ers here. And while so much is being made about the 49ers winning six straight against the Rams, five of those six that they've won have all been outright as an underdog. There's some noise in there. Obviously, you're not going to factor in games against Jared Goff a couple of seasons ago as much as you're going to wait to two performances this year with Matthew Stafford. But I think so much of the 49ers' success in those matchups against Sean McVay is because what they do from a scheme standpoint defensively. They don't blitz a ton where Matthew Stafford has been at his absolute best, one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. They generate pressure with their front four, and we've seen Nick Bosa and Eric Armstead raising their level of play, at least in the first two games of the playoffs, uh, that it's going to create some real problems because if you're able to drop seven into coverage, it's going to take away a lot of those passing lanes. And Matthew Stafford has been you know, somewhat average when you're talking about throwing against you know, a front four that's not going to bring an additional blitzer. So Emmanuel Mosley will be healthy. He wasn't available week 18. It looks like Ambry Thomas should be back. And I think San Francisco is going to have a few tricks up their sleeve on that side of the ball. The other side is where it's also interesting because when you look at Jimmy Garoppolo, I don't think there's a quarterback that's less appreciated than Jimmy. And you can understand why, given some of the yardage totals that he's put forth, even through the first two games of this postseason, he's been prone to a turnover, some poor decision-making. And I think what's crazy, when you look at Jimmy Garoppolo, in his career with the 49ers, he's 9-2 and two straight up when he doesn't throw a single touchdown pass. He's 3-0 in the playoffs without a touchdown pass on his ledger. Uh, and when you're talking about the 49ers' key to success in four playoff wins with Jimmy Garoppolo as their starting quarterback, they've attempted 71 total passes. So you don't have to be a math wizard to see that's less than 20 a game and clearly a high correlation to a successful running attack. The other thing that for the 49ers that they've done so well is when you look at how effectively they've run the ball on early downs in score-neutral situations, you're talking about a clip north of 57%. It's one of, among the highest in the league. That number goes up even more against the Rams, and part of that is because this is a Rams team that's built to get after the quarterback. Aaron Donald is a great disruptor. Von Miller is outstanding coming off of the edge. But the position where they're most vulnerable is in the middle of the field. I mean, Troy Reader's not elite in coverage. We know they're banged up at the safety position. I mean, that's the only reason you bring in 37-year-old Eric Weddle, who is given a stay of execution, so to speak, with that unique call and interpretation of the rule against Mike Evans last week against Tampa. And I think it'll open up opportunities for George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk, and of course, Debo Samuel. Now, we're not sure if Debo Samuel is 100%. Everybody is going to gut out whatever injuries they have. 
but he did take the helmet to the lower body in those frigid temperatures. I just get the feeling that Kyle Shanahan can make better in-game adjustments than Sean McVay can. And when you look at kind of the mentor and the mentee, this for me is the reason that the 49ers have had so much success. And they're going to send Sean McVay to a seventh straight loss against the same team, a streak we haven't seen replicated since Marvin Lewis lost seven in a row to Mike Tomlin. I think this is a 49ers team that, like you said, could have been eliminated from the playoffs by the Rams week 18. They've been living a charm life since, and they'll be the fourth, the first team to win four straight games on the road en route to getting to the Super Bowl since 1966. I think the 49ers win this game outright. I'll definitely back them plus a three and a half. Do you like any props in either the AFC or the NFC championship game? Um, I like Jimmy Garoppolo's passing yards under. I mean, we've talked about it, and I, I think you can still find it at FanDuel in the low 230s. I think there's a direct correlation between Jimmy not throwing it a ton and the 49ers having success running the football. I would look at Matthew Stafford uh, over a half of interception as well. Talked about him struggling against zones. And if the 49ers don't blitz, I think Stafford may try and force a ball or two into coverage. And when you're looking at the AFC game, you know, a lot of people believe that the Bengals' key to success is running the football, getting Joe Mixon established and keeping Patrick Mahomes on the sidelines. I don't think that's going to be the case at all. I mean, we saw it on full display. Even in the face of ridiculous pressure, it was Joe Burrow early and often. I mean, Mixon has looked pretty average. He hasn't gone for more than four yards per carry in, I think, seven games now. Hasn't gone over the 60-yard mark. I think Joe Burrow throws it early. He throws it often. And especially if the Bengals find themselves in comeback mode, he's going to have more than 40 pass attempts in this contest. So that's what I would look at in the AFC game uh, compared to the NFC. All right, we've also got, so I mean, that those are uh, a ton of uh, different breakdowns there of the AFC and the NFC championship game up to $1,000 no-risk wager, fanduel.com slash clay. Furman, the U.S. men are also attempting to qualify for the World Cup, which isn't that far away either. I think it's going to sneak up on some people because it's going to happen in the fall. Uh, the fall of this year in November, if I'm not mistaken, down in Qatar, uh, or Qatar, depending on how you pronounce it. Where are ha, we? Speaking on... which, hold on. Has has Fox rolled out the red carpet? I mean, are you going to be flying first class on Emirates? Are you going to be able to do your radio show living in the lap of luxury overseas, kind of taking in the red, white, and blue, assuming we do qualify? I have been told that if I want to go to the World Cup, I can be there. Not a uh, not not a bad now deal. That, it sucks that it's during football season. That's, that's right. The problem. The, cha- the challenge is that it's in the middle of both the college and the NFL season. So if this were, I mean, obviously it'd be like 150 degrees if it were taking place <laughs> in the summer. So that's not necessarily ideal either. Uh, I've obviously never been to the Middle East before. I think it would be pretty cool to go over there uh, for a week or so. But in the middle of football season, I'm not sure exactly how that would work out. Uh, but maybe there's some possibility we're going to take OutKick, uh, some of the people at OutKick, and be at the World Cup this year. Uh, but what are the odds that the U.S. is going? Let's start here. Uh, World Cup qualifying, what are the odds that the U.S. is going to be in the World Cup? We know that they blew it in 2018. Is it basically a foregone conclusion from a gambling perspective that they're going to be there in 2022? You know, I never want to say it's a foregone conclusion when it comes to uh, the men's soccer program, given the way that they've let us down in the past. I mean, to your point, the sequence of events it took not to qualify for the World Cup in 2018, losing to Trinidad and Tobago, still mind-boggling to me, let alone what it probably meant to the balance sheet uh, of the folks at Fox. Yeah, but no doubt. When you look at how we, when you look at how we've played so far, 
a lot of reason for optimism. And the next couple of games will go a long way if they're able to secure, you know, of the nine possible points, you know, hopefully six is the worst case scenario. That may be a little bit, you know, optimistic. But at the same time, massive favorite tonight against El Salvador. These are three points that you have to get on home soil before traveling to play on Sunday uh, up in Hamilton, Ontario against an upstart Canadian team and what's going to be frigid temperatures. I mean, that's the kind of match that you get a draw. You're absolutely thrilled. I, I like the direction that the way the uh, men's program is trending. The one thing that's a little bit disconcerting, especially for a player like Christian Pulisic up front, is that he's not getting regular minutes as a member of Chelsea. He's kind of fallen out of favor with their starting 11. So you always wonder about the form for guys that aren't playing regularly with their club teams and how it's going to translate uh, to the international game. But given the what we've accomplished already, I think they've exceeded expectations, putting themselves squarely in second place as far as the octagonal is concerned. Uh, and I would be stunned beyond belief if they don't find a way to punch their ticket to Cutter. And like we've talked about, I mean, this year, getting to the World Cup should be the minimum. I feel like it's a dress rehearsal for our golden generation of sorts before four years from now it shifts to North American soil. And it's the first time probably in both our lifetimes that you can make a legitimate case that Team USA should be disappointed, assuming guys maintain their health, that you don't get to at least the quarterfinals or maybe even upside of the semifinals. I'll never go as far as saying we deserve to be considered amongst the front runners. Uh, given the fact that you have so many international powers that you're going through year in, year out. Furman, what else? Anything else out there you're paying attention to from a gambling perspective? We won't, by the way, have a show next week. Or maybe, should we do Monday? Maybe we'll do Monday to react to the We AFC. could do, Mo yeah, do Monday just to kind of uh, dip our toes in the water and talk about the matchup and some of the things there. I don't think FanDuel have their extensive prop offering, so it may, probably makes more sense to do it Monday while it's fresh take Thursday off and then revisit your busy travel schedule the week that you're potentially in LA for the game. Yeah, I'll be out in LA for the whole week, fly back before the game, unless the Titans were playing. Thanks, Ryan Tannehill. I was not going to stay for the game. <laughs> uh, so, uh, but I'll be out in LA that week. I'm headed down to Texas later today, uh, tonight, and uh, I'll be in Texas all weekend down in the Dallas area doing a couple of different cool events there. And then, uh, then I'll be back all next week. So, uh, Furman, Good stuff as always. We will talk to you on Monday breaking down the Super Bowl matchup. I think it's going to be the Chiefs and uh, the Rams. You think it's going to be Chiefs against 49ers? Yep, I think we get a rematch of the game we saw a couple of years ago before the world was turned completely upside down when we were in Miami uh, for what I thought was a tremendous eight days as far as hospitality events and everything else the Fox family did for us. No doubt. By the way, which one do you think is a tougher matchup for the Chiefs, the 49ers or the Rams? Uh, I actually think it's the Rams. And so when you, you know, it's a good point you brought up. When you look at some of the look ahead numbers that are there, uh, FanDuel sits at two and a half is their project. Well, it's available to bet now. So if you want Louisiana, New York, every other state that's out there, uh, Kansas City, a two and a half point favorite against the Rams. If I could get the Rams plus three, even on a look ahead, uh, I'd probably try and buy into because I think the Rams provide a much bigger threat for Kansas City for the way they're constructed. I'm not sure San Francisco would find that much more success this time around against Kansas City than they did a couple of years ago. Uh, so I think if you're a Chiefs fan, you'd rather see the 49ers uh, and while the Rams should be bringing with confidence. But I think the Rams, to your point, will have their hands full this weekend. And I think we're talking about 49ers Chiefs. What would the line have been, by the way, if the Chiefs had, uh, if the Titans had managed to beat the Bengals and that game had been taking place in Nashville this weekend? Uh, you'd have been looking at Kansas City in that three and a half range uh, is where I would have made the number, depending on what you wanted to give the Titans as far as home field advantage was concerned. 
I mean, you look at the prices here, and while it's never apples to apples, I mean, the Bengals, they close as a three-and-a-half, four-point underdog on the road. You're talking about a seven-point dog against Kansas City, but I think the Bengals improved their overall profile, so public perception would be a little different. I could see a lot of books having opened that game, Kansas City minus three, minus $1.20. Uh, but for whatever reason, I think the Bengals have become kind of that sexy team that people want to rally around that'll generate money. Uh, coming in on Joe Burrow. I'm not sure that would have been the case with the Titans, even as a home underdog, despite having wins against the Bills and Chiefs on their resume uh, at home earlier this season. Yeah, the Titans managed to beat the Bills, the Chiefs, the Rams, and the 49ers, but they couldn't beat the Bengals at home. Vintage Ryan <laughs> Tannehill special. Uh, Furman, we will talk on Monday. Enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the games. Thanks. You do the same and safe travels to lovely Dallas. All right, Louisiana, you heard me say it. You can bet now. New York, you can as well. Up to $1,000, no risk. FanDuel.com slash Clay. That is FanDuel.com slash Clay. And this has been The Fade.